welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey there, my name is Dave Lombardo, and I serve on staff as one of the pastors here at The Well. Just want to extend another welcome to you. So glad that you've joined us today. Lately, I've been watching a lot of movie, or a lot of movie clips from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, if you know anything about me at all, you'll know that I don't watch sports, and when it, I've only seen about a dozen movies or so in my whole life. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Something about sports just doesn't keep my interest, and when it comes to choosing whether or not I want to watch a movie all the way through, I've developed like major commitment issues. But uh, I've now discovered this kind of happy medium, which is watching a few five-minute clips at a time. And so I think over the last six months or so, I've watched all of the Marvel movies just in five-minute clips in all sorts of different orders. You can imagine how uh, confusing that might be. But for me, it's great because I got these commitment issues, right? At first, what I loved about watching these little clips is I could just go straight to the action, right? I I don't need to know why the Hulk is angry. I just want to see him smash stuff. But as any of you uh, know, if you've seen a movie or love movies or stories, especially those of you that are fans of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and that franchise, you'll know that the action is awesome as it is. It's nothing without the storyline that they all fit into. You know, these Marvel movies aren't some of the biggest movies in all of history uh, just because of they have some of the biggest budgets in, uh, in all of cinematic history. It's the stories that makes the movies great. You know, for those of you that grew up with comic books and whatnot, I I don't even think that these movies are great just because of the nostalgia or, you know, the anticipation of your favorite superhero coming on the scene. As exciting as that may be, it's the way that the big story unfolds, right? It's the battle between good versus evil. It's the balance of forces. It's the fighting back against all odds. It's having multiple people need to figure themselves out, get over their own pride, join together to be able to defeat the big force that's trying to take over the world in total domination, right? And and we're gripped by this because we wonder, how is it all going to turn out? We wonder, is everybody going to make it to the end? And these movies keep keep us gripped because we don't know how they're going to go. Are they going to save the world or is everything going to burn and turn to dust? This is true, really, whether or not it's a Marvel movie, uh, you can insert your own favorite movie or novel. The stories that we love are so captivating because of the big overarching plot line that ties all of the individual events together. Uh, These stories are so good because we love story. And we love stories because we're actually wired for stories. We love being a part of a story. We love telling stories. Some of you are really bad at telling stories, and yet you still try to tell stories. Why? Because you love stories. We all love stories, right? And the reasons that we love stories is because in one way or another, we all know that we're actually in the middle of a big story ourselves. For some, it might feel like our story is a great story. The different events that have come together, they've been pretty awesome. For others, we're just desperate for like a major plot twist because we need this whole thing to change course and go in a different direction. Whatever it may be, somehow we know that there is a bigger story going on around us. We know that we're in the middle of it. And and as we live our lives, we're becoming increasingly aware of what that big meta plot, that big meta nair of the overarching storyline that ties all the individual events together. We're becoming more and more aware of it. Now, 
One thing that's different between our life in the movies, there's a whole lot, especially if we're talking about Marvel movies, but one big difference between our lives that we live and, and all the big movies and your favorite stories is that you can skip to the end of a Marvel movie or any other movie and see how it ends up. You can read the last pages of a novel, but you know what you can't do? You can't skip to the end of your life and see where that's going to end up. And so we're stuck living in this suspense. Some of you, some of us, myself included, like this absolutely freaks us out. Where are we right now and where are we heading? Actually, it's kind of funny. Tony was mentioning this to me the other day that when he's watching some of the Marvel movies with his kids, they actually have to pause it and tell the kids, hey, look, it's going to be okay. Everything is going to turn out because the suspense is so great that they're so scared about how it's going to happen, how it's all going to go down, right? But like we can't do that with our own lives. You just can't. Or can we? You know, one of the reasons we come to Scripture week after week after week here at the well is because Scripture reveals to us the greatest story that has ever been put down, the greatest story that has ever unfolded. Scripture gives us this magnificently beautiful story that reveals to us so much about God and ourselves. And by the way, I just want to pause and say this for a second. When we use the word Scripture, what we're talking about is the Bible. And when we talk about the Bible, what we're talking about is God's word that is written down, that has been put together and given to us as a gift that we might be able to understand more of who he is, that we get to know him and his character, experience the fullness of life the way that he has intended it for us. And so we often use those words interchangeably. I just don't want anybody to be confused. We are talking about the Bible. We are talking about scripture. We are talking about God's word. That's all one and of the same. And the story that is revealed to us through scripture is one of the uncreated one, right? The story of God himself, the author and imaginer and creator of the whole story of creation. He's the one who thought it up. He's the one who put it into play. We see within it the story of all created things as well, including you and including me, and how everything that has been made is somehow interconnected with one another and with God. And the library of 66 books that makes up the entirety of the Bible is all held together by this powerful meta plot of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God promises to do in the future. The stories that are make up the big picture of Scripture are not individual isolated events. They're all meant to work together to point us in a particular direction. And like all of the good stories that we know and love, Scripture raises questions for us that are like this. What does this all have to do with the state of the world right now? Questions like, what does this have to do with us? Or, or, or what does this have to do with me? Uh, some of you might be interested in the whole timeline of events, right? You're saying, where do I fit into the timeline of the big story that Scripture is revealing to us? Like, are we just getting started? Are we somewhere in the middle? Are we closing in on the end? And you know, one of the big questions that Scripture raises for us that we want to look at today in particular is, where are we headed? And how is this story of God and humanity and all creation going to go down? Like, how is this whole thing going to end up? If you joined us last time, and I hope you did, you'll remember that VJ launched us into our new fall teaching series called Apocalypse, Hope in the Dark. And the way that he got us thinking about this whole big idea of apocalypse uh, is about, you know, where do you find hope? Or what is hope? What are the kinds of things that make you hopeless? 
for some of us, when we think of apocalypse, uh, when you hear that word, the first thing that comes to mind is somebody needing to be rocketed into space to save all humanity from some impending doom. Others of you uh, think of mass destruction and mass chaos and everything just blowing up and exploding and conflict of world powers and mass, mad confusion. And, and I understand why we can think that. That's what we see in the movies. That's what we see in the books. Uh, and when we let our imaginations run wild, uh, the narrative of hopelessness sometimes causes us to think the end is going to be bad. But then we come to Revelation, uh, the last book of the Bible that we're going to actually be spending the next two months working our way through. And even though Revelation gives us this apocalyptic picture, this picture of how things are going to end, it's different than what most of us imagine. As a matter of fact, it's different than the perspective that any other holy book gives us. What it tells us is that even though it's revealing to us the way that things are going to end up, it's not actually an end at all. It reveals to us a beautiful new beginning. Revelation is meant to tie together the entire meta-narrative, the big picture of all of Scripture. And it does that by telling us the way that things are going to go in the future. It shows us the promises of God, tells us about who he is and what he is going to be doing. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to do something that maybe is a little bit out of the ordinary or a little bit unusual. We're going to jump to the end. Last week, VJ started us off in chapter 1. That makes sense when you're working through a book. But today we're going to chapter 21 and 22, the very last chapters. And what we're going to do is we're going to see how this story of God and humanity and all creation is going to play out. And my prayer for us is that as we listen to these words that are read for us in just a moment, as we spend this time looking through this together, that we will have a hope within us that is evoked so powerfully that we are like emotionally and imaginatively and spiritually just so enthralled by the story that it puts within us a hope so much bigger than whatever you had with you when you came in at the beginning. So let's listen in together as Camille Yurick from our King site reads for us from Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then the angel showed me to the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever.
This is the ultimate culmination of all of the promises of God. This is where the meta-narrative, the big story of all scripture is heading. This is where the story goes. This is how things end up. And did you notice that this doesn't really look like the end at all, does it? Even though it's at the end, it's more like a beautiful new beginning. And this is meant to be our focus as we work our way through the letter of Revelation. It's meant to show us the the trajectory that we're on to give us hope that even though we're right here in the middle, there is something better that is promised to us in the future. It starts with a new heaven and a new earth. We are promised that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Simply put, this means everything as we know it will be made new. Eugene Peterson says this, the heavens and the earth means simply everything. Heavens literally is skies, the great dome of lights that is over us and beyond us, the dazzling theater in which we watch the fine-tuned choreography of constellations and the wildly beautiful raging storms. Don't you wish you could write like that? That's just beautiful. Earth literally is that which is beneath us and around us, that which we are in touch with, can handle, can shape, and up to a point, even control. And so we're told everything will be made new. God is going to remove all sources of evil. He will ultimately eliminate the infection of sin and evil from all creation. Now, as you read through the letter of Revelation, you are going to find yourself Uh, caught in the middle of like this constant duality, this constant tension of concepts. You're going to see evil versus good. You're going to see death versus life. You're going to see bondage versus freedom. You're going to see suffering versus peace and rest. You're going to see judgment and wrath versus uh, grace and mercy. And this duality, this, this back and forth is drawing on the tension that we all feel. It's drawing on the tension of how things were created to be in the beginning and how things will one day end up. And we are caught in the middle of all of that. See, God created, you can go and read in the opening chapters, the very other side of the Bible, in Genesis, in the opening chapters, the opening pages of Scripture, in the creation narrative, you see that God created and that all of creation, humans, animals, everything, worked in, uh, lived rather, in perfect harmony with him. But then, humans took things into their own hands, they turned against God and tried to do things their own way, and that brought in this brokenness into the world that infected and affected every single part of creation. The tension that we feel is everything that happens in between that creation narrative and what we just heard in Revelation. All of the stories, all of the events, all of the happenings, including our very own lives right here and right now, are a part of this tension of what it means to be caught in the middle of the story of how things were meant to be, how it all got broken, and where things are going to end up. There's another way of looking at this, and that is right now and not yet. We are very aware that right now we're in the middle of those two columns. Okay? There's, the, there's, the, uh, there's the right now, for example, which looks like evil and looks like death and looks like those kinds of things. And yet there's the future. There's the not yet where there is total good and life and freedom, etc. We're aware of this tension. You know, there are so many things that are happening around us right now that make it challenging for us to believe that things could be any different, let alone be any better because we're in the middle. You know, 
it can be hard to believe that there will be something like a new creation or a new heaven and a new earth, a new everything, because of how broken and backwards things are right here, right now. Right? Our bodies get sick. People we know and love die. We're aware of the power in that infection of sin in our own life. We, we have greed and we are prideful and there is lust. And even though we hate it, it still builds itself up within it. And we find ourselves completely torn, doing things we don't want to do and not doing things we do want to do. We know that tension. Our relationships, even with the ones that live closest to us, that we love most dearly, are often just so, have so much pressure on them and require so much work to maintain. Even the physical earth around us rages right? There's natural disasters and all these things that are happening that are not, even creation itself is broken and infected and in that left side of the column as we know it. And these are the things that actually create hopelessness within us. These are the things that, that, that make it difficult, or, or sorry, these are the things that cause us, I should say, these are the things that cause us to lose sight of the meta plot, the big picture. Hopelessness is that feeling or that state of despair, Hopelessness robs us of any ability to maintain a positive outlook on the future. Hopelessness leaves us fighting grief and worry all the time. Uh, Hopelessness is what makes us feel like it's impossible for there to ever be any positive uh, change, anything to get better. You know what hopelessness really is? Hopelessness is losing sight of the end. Hopelessness is losing sight of the new creation. It's losing sight of the promises of God. And, and to many of us, we know what it is to feel hopeless. We know it all too well. For some of you, you're saying, it's not even just some events in my life that lead me to be hopeless sometimes. You're saying there have been so, many, so much brokenness, so much of it has been backward, that the whole meta-narrative of my own life story has taken on the tone of hopelessness as a whole. And that's because we're in the middle. We're not there yet. We're not at the, pro- the realization of the promise yet. Others of you could be saying, um, I can't relate to this at all, you know, or at least you think you can't relate to this at all. You know, you might be saying, well, you know, money is fine. My job is fine. My family life is pretty good. My, my health is good. Uh, Maybe some of you are thinking this is as good as it gets. I don't want any of this to change, even in the middle of a global pandemic. As complicated and complex as it is, some of you are still saying this is, I'm pretty good. I feel safe. I feel secure. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I got to level with you. The brokenness of the current state of creation shows us that all of this could be taken away in a moment. And oftentimes, the places where we find security and comfort and even our own identity and our value with abrupt violence can be taken away from us so fast that we don't even know what happened. You know, we all put our hope, our hope in things that are fickle and things that um, will ultimately let us down. We know what that feels like to be let down. I know what this feels like. I wrestle with this. But the truth of the matter is, when we put our hope in things that will ultimately let us down, we lose the ability to keep our hope in the one who never will because we're replacing God and his promises with things that we can see right now. It takes away any hope that we may have for the future. And we're left hopelessness. We're left hopeless at the end of it. So what is hope? Well, hope is an expectation of the future fulfillment of something that we desire. Now, you might be thinking, hold on, okay, future fulfillment, something we don't see, that sounds a little bit more like faith. And okay, faith and hope are different things, but they're like partners in ministry. They work together. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Now, the faith, it, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for 
and the assurance about what we don't see. So, so hope is actually a part of the definition of faith. I think of it this way. Faith is belief and trust in God by looking at what he has done and what he is doing around us right now, while hope is believing in something that you can't see right now, but believe will happen based on what's already taken place. Okay, and I know that probably sounds a little confusing. Faith is looking at what's happened and what is happening. Hope is kind of in that middle ground where it's okay, I'm trying to make sense of what's happening here and believing that this will take place in the future. And, and really, faith and hope become the way, that we're able to, the way that we're able to have a sort of spiritual perception and understanding of what's going on around us. It's faith and hope working together within us that help us to make sense of what's going on in the story while we're here in the messy middle. We, by faith, see the good things that God has already done for us, which therefore motivates us to continue looking at hope, looking with hope at what's going on around us, being able to perceive some of that goodness, some of that love, some of the stuff that God's already offering to us here and now. And our hope then is formed in us as we look to the future and say, God has done this. God is doing this. I know God will do this. And that's what hope becomes. So our hope has to be rooted in the promises of God. And as we read Revelation, we are meant to see this incredible picture of what God is promising to us. He is promising a new world order among all creation that will put things back to the way they were meant to be in the first place. And that duality, that tension that we feel, will be resolved. Evil will be replaced with good. Death will be replaced with life. Bondage will be replaced with freedom. Suffering will be replaced with peace and rest. Judgment and wrath will be replaced with grace and mercy. And even though it looks like an end, it's a beautiful new beginning of something that is so much greater than we could ever ask for or ever imagine. It continues, right? God, we're being promised a holy city that is populated only by God's people. There's no enemies. There's no division. There's only unity. There's only peace. There's only harmony. God is promising to wipe away every tear from our eyes. I don't know about you. I've had a lot of tears in this last season. There's been so much that right now I'm like, God, would you please just wipe them away? And he does in his own way now, but I'm, I'm longing for the day when they're gone forever. We're being promised that God is going to dwell among us. God will be a neighbor on our street. Imagine this. I was listening to one professor and he just, he evoked this beautiful imagery of, you know, going for a stroll after dinner down your street and God's just out there working on his garden. He's just hanging about. And you've got time to linger with him. He's got time to linger with you. Maybe it's just a, hey, how are you? Maybe it's a, hey, how's that thing going? And you, you know, that when someone asks you the question where they just really penetrate deep into your soul, I'm sure God is going to be doing a lot of that in heaven. And we're going to have the space and time to do that because we have forever to be living with him. We're promised that there's going to be no more death. Promise that there's going to be no more mourning, no more grieving, no more crying no more pain. God is promising to us that in the end, everything will start new as a beautiful new creation. You, me, creation around us, our relationships. And this renewal of all things, this, this resurrection, this bringing things back to life, this has always been what God has been about. This is actually the whole story of scripture. 
And, and you know what else? It's already happening around us right now. Even though we're still very much in the messy middle of this grand story, we are already getting a glimpse of the ways that this new creation is beginning to form around us right now. And this is because of what Jesus is doing in your life, in my life, and in our world. He's already doing this resurrecting work. Jesus is already giving spiritual life and spiritual vitality that has no end. Jesus is already healing people physically. Uh, some of you have been, his, have been physically healed uh, as a result of people praying over you. Some of you have prayed for others and you've seen that healing take place. Jesus is already restoring broken relationships. Some of you know the ways in which Jesus has broken into your marriage and has reunited you and your spouse or the way that he has brought back a child that has been estranged or the way that he has healed relational rivalries between siblings. You've experienced this before. Jesus is already setting apart this holy city. He's already creating a set-apart community. And you know this because Jesus has brought you into a Christian community right here at the well. He's brought you in from isolation and now you are with others. And even though there may be chaos and, and, and division with people everywhere else, you're getting a taste of what the new heaven and the new earth is right here and right now. So yes, we're longing for and hoping for what God is promising to do in the new heavens and the new earth. But right now, don't miss it. Right now, Jesus is already giving us glimpses of that here and now. We're getting glimpses of the big story. We're seeing how it all fits together as we move in the direction towards the beautiful new creation. If you remember from last time, VJ mentioned to us that in order to do well in your reading of the book of Revelation, then you need to learn to love the word like. Actually, more than one-third of the usage of the word like in all of Scripture is found here in Revelation. Figure that out, you mathematicians out there. There's 66 books altogether in the total library of Scripture, and one-third of the usages are in this book. So as you read Revelation, uh, which I hope you'll join us in doing as we do that as a church together through our Reconnect blog and daily readings, you're going to see some images that are just like freaky and scary and bizarre. At the same time, you'll also come across some of the most beautiful and poetic and lovely images that are so much greater than anything you could ever imagine. And you will need to employ the word like to make sense of that. Is it, it's going to be like this. Well, oh, let's, let's stop and <laughs> like this or like that. We, we're going to need to talk that through. But you know what's interesting? This blew my mind. As we look at these promises of God with regards to the future, the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. What we've just looked at here in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 to 5, and 22, verse 1 to 5, the word like is absent. And that's good news for us. That's good news for us because it seems to me that in this portion of the vision, where it turns to the glorious picture of our future hope, it's here that we get virtually the clearest part of the whole revelation. It's not like there's going to be a new creation. There will be a new creation. It's not like there will be no more death, no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more sickness. It's not like God will be your neighbor. God will be our neighbor. It's not like there will be never-ending life. There will be never-ending life. And these words, 
the vision of the future, it's meant to show us that we have every reason to hope in God. God has not packed his bags and gone on some cosmic vacation, abandoning us to try and save and rescue ourselves. No, what God is promising us is that he will be the savior. He will be the avenger. He will be the one who, ha- he is the one who has the plan and he will be the one who has the power to bring about this future. And you can trust him. Your hope in God is not in vain. It is in the author of all creation. It's in the one who even created you and me. And we're seeing little glimpses here and now of what he promises to ultimately do one day in fullness and totality. And so I have to ask this question. Is the new creation of the heavens and the new earth where your story is heading? Have you ever asked Jesus to make you new? Let me put this another way. Have you chosen to follow Jesus here and now so that you can have the gift of hope of the new heavens and the new earth in the future? Hear me on this. God wants you to be a part of this new creation. God wants to dwell with you forever. He wants to be your neighbor. God wants you to see his face. God wants to wipe away every tear. He wants you to have this never-ending life. And do you know how I know this? I know that these things are true about God because we have been told through his word that he gave the most valuable thing he had, his son Jesus, in exchange for us that we might be able to have this new life. God the Father sent his son Jesus into the world so that he could begin doing this restorative work here and now as preparation for what he will do in the future new heavens and new earth. Jesus lived his life and he literally died And he literally rose again from the dead. And now he literally lives forever. And he did this so that when you trust in him, when you put your faith in him, when you put your hope in him, when you begin to follow him, you too will be given that gift of never-ending life. Your sin will be forgiven. All of the things that separate you from God will be broken down and carried away. Your mind will be renewed. Your hope will be reinvigorated. Your life will be infused with new vitality. And even though we will all die physically, those of us who die in faith die, end up with our story going in the direction that we've spoken up today, which is, spoken up today, which is living in the presence of God in the new heavens and the new earth. And so I want to ask, do you believe this? If you want to take this next step, of faith in Jesus and and give your life to him and begin following him, you can do that right now. This isn't something you have to wait for. Some of you probably have been waiting a long time and maybe you've been saying, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus or I'm I'm thinking about it, but I have some questions and, and nobody ever asks. I'm asking. And I'm encouraging you to don't wait any longer. Even with the questions you may have, with the uncertainties that you may have, respond to that sense you have within you, that warming of your heart that you're feeling right now. Respond to that, and you can do that by following me in this prayer. Jesus, I'm choosing today to believe in you. I know I can't make myself new again. I need you to make me new. I still have questions and uncertainties, but I want to give my life to you and trust that you will walk with me daily in helping me see things with faith and hope. Forgive me of my sins and help me to follow you day by day. Thank you for dying so that I can live forever and for the promise of never-ending life in the new heavens and new earth. Amen. If you just made this commitment, 
and prayed this prayer, then I want to give you certainty that your story is now heading in the direction of the new heavens and the new earth. And yes, we're still caught up in the messy middle of the story, but you can live with hope as your perspective for where things are going to go. If you did make this decision today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can get a hold of us at uh, thewell.ca slash contact. One of our staff would be more than thrilled to, to talk with you more about this decision, uh, talk about what it means to follow Jesus, pray for you, just get to know you. We'd love for you to reach out to us. For the rest of us, well, actually, not the rest of us, for everybody, really, those of you that just made this decision and those of you who have been following Jesus for some time, there's some questions for us that we need to be considering as well. Are you living with hope and perceiving all that Jesus is already doing right now in the messy middle to make all things new? Are you already welcoming God into your life and, and tasting some of what it means to live in relational harmony with him and with others right now? as we wait for the not yet? Are you asking Jesus to make you new over and over again? Now, I recognize that last one might sound a little strange because, hold on, if I'm made new, aren't I just new? Isn't that it? I've, I've been made new. I made a profession of faith. I followed Jesus a long time. But when we think that it's just a matter of in a moment, uh, then we kind of can get lost and we can go stagnant and the whole thing actually doesn't allow us to experience bits and pieces of the new creation here and now. So the question is, are you leaning into it? Yes, the very moment you follow Jesus, he gives you new life and you become that new creation. But this is the kind of thing that happens in a moment and over a lifetime. And so maybe you're somebody who is saying, yeah, I got to actually recalibrate and I need to look at what's going on in my life to see how faith and hope are playing a role in my outlook for the future and helping make sense of what I'm experiencing right here in the messy middle. And, and, you know, reaching out to us for prayer and for discussion is not just limited to those who made a commitment of faith today. Uh, You can get a hold of us, get a hold of your site pastor, your home group leader, have that conversation with somebody. It's a worthwhile thing to do. This week on our Reconnect blog, and, and maybe blog isn't even the best word, daily reading is actually a much better way of looking at what we put up uh, on our website each week. Um, this week, Melissa uh, has put together some readings and reflections based on Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Now, you might be saying, Dave, uh, why do I need to read 2 and 3 or 4, 5, 6 or anything else? You just gave us 21 and 22. You spoiled the whole ending for us. Well, why, what's the point? Well, sorry, not sorry. Um, yes, I may have spoiled the ending for you, but the truth of the matter is the entirety of Revelation, all of the apocalypse, is meant to be understood through the lens and the perspective that 21 and 22 gives us as we put together a life of hope in what God is going to do in the future. That actually impacts the way we look at all of Scripture. So make sure you set aside time today. Make sure you set aside time each day, really, to lean into these readings, to get into Revelation with us. Because I know that God is going to continue to build hope within us and form us as to be a community of people who are so loaded with hope for the future that he uses us to make a difference in the world today. God bless you, church. We love you.